Good morning, greetings in the name of Jesus. I invite your attention to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 for a, just basically an introduction to the next message. Thank you, James, for those insights into what your life existed in Asia. While you're turning there, allow me to uh, share two memories uh, that sparked my, in my mind as, as I saw a few of those glimpses in Asia. One of them was in 2007 when I had the privilege to visit some of the, some of the maybe even same places James visited, because I remember in, in communication with you, I detect, I remember uh, one specific person named May that uh, we, we met. But there is something about uh, fellowshipping and worshiping and, and serving another church of another culture. It's, uh, it's an amazing experience. And the other memory I have, and I can't help but sharing this, I can't help uh, but sharing this because on the way home from, from uh, Hershey Medical last night at about 9.30, something like that, uh, we had a detour because of all the exodus from the, the uh, Lebanon area fair. And I remember one of, uh, one, a father that had his daughter return from doing a very similar thing. I think that was with the IGO program. But after serving... Uh, other churches and immersed in God's word, she came home and then she, her, she was spending the first night with her friends and lo and behold, they went to the demolition derby and the father said, she came home, she said, dad, in a very, not, not a non-judgmental way, she said, dad, I feel like I did the most meaningless thing that I've done in my entire life last night. So I, I say that to say there are so many ways to invest your time in ways that impact kingdom. So you're at Philippians chapter two, and like I said, what we're gonna do is just basically get an introduction to uh, the, the next message through Philippians. And chapter one, we looked at the single mind and how it will overcome circumstances. And now we launch into chapter two, which is the submissive mind. And that will overcome challenging relationships. And if anybody knows anything about a challenging relationship, I'm going to suggest that you're going to find a mindset that will always equal joy in chapter 2. So that's what we're going to be looking at, the submissive mind. Chapter 3 is a spiritual mind. Chapter 4 is a secure mind. The theme of the book of Philippians is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice so chapter two, submissive mind. I'm going to suggest that one of the most forgotten verses in the entire Bible is Ephesians chapter five. I didn't make a note of the verse, but I think it's chapter 20, verse 21. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And especially in our independent society, I wonder if that is one of the most forgotten uh, verses of the entire Bible, how beautiful it is when God's people, no matter what kind of responsibility they have, or where you find yourself in God's kingdom, find it a tremendous duty to submit one to another in the fear of God. Submissive mind is wrapped all around Philippians chapter 2. So if you want a title for this uh, introduction to the next message, it's going to be 
submissive mind and others. Submissive mind and others. You know, I believe that the number one challenge among Christians is just getting along. Knowing how to do relationships. I really believe that's one of the, the most uh, challenging issues among Christians. And I'm going to suggest that it's Satan's number one goal. I, don't, I wonder, even in, in my short lifetime and in your short lifetime, I wonder how many, how many casualties you can list where people seem to stray from what's right, put it that way. And it goes back to relationship and not knowing how to work through relationship. I, I just see such beauty in Philippians chapter 2, and I am basically taking these challenges for myself. And I, I, I'm convinced of another thing about relationships. The more zealous you'll find a group, the more challenging relationships are going to be. Take Paul and Barnabas. As about as zealous as two men are going to get. And guess what? They struggled for a period of time in relationship. You show me an apathetic people, and that's maybe one of the other greatest challenges in, in Christendom is ap apathy. Just half-heartedness, whatever, nonchalant, oh, even not showing up at the, the meetings. It does, just doesn't really matter. There probably isn't going to be abrasion in those relationships, but you show me a people that are zealous, they're serious, they want to do what's right and advance the kingdom, and that's where the intensity is going to be. I I'll, I'll never forget uh, a weekend that, that I experienced while we served in Grenada, Olive Branch uh, invited, it was actually Alan Roth to come down for a weekend, or maybe it was during the week, for about three day uh, missionary retreat. And his subject was relationships. And what all he said in those, I think we actually went through a textbook, so I'm probably not quoting Alan Roth, I'm probably quoting a text in the textbook. But we, we, we were brought to a question that we had to respond to. You know, it, was, it wasn't one of those times where you could, you, you one or the other. Are you truth-oriented or are you relationship-oriented? What do you, you know, what's, what's with this? And everybody had to conclude with what comes a little more natural for you. I remember one person said, definitely truth. Uh, it's what's right and no matter what. And I don't care what anybody says, feels, thinks. It's truth. Did that guy struggle with relationships? Big time. The other, the other camp is just... It's all about relationships. And, and then the textbook, or Alan carefully pointed out that that is often at the expense of truth. You're not willing to stand for what's right. And it's more about how he feels or she feels. And this, uh, and I remember it was a very healthy exercise for us, for us to do. Uh, there's a big difference in, in how... Of your makeup and your, your tendency, the, the, the sum conclusion of that question is you have to be balanced. 
You have, and you know what was beautiful? God, I think, intentionally puts truth-oriented people and relationship-oriented people to work together on purpose. And it's so beautiful. If they follow Philippians chapter 2, I'll, I'll tell you, God's kingdom is going to advance in, like you'll find in the book of Acts, where they were all with one accord and, they, and the kingdom moved forward. So, uh, I don't know, it'd be very interesting, but a little exercise for you to do in your mind. I'm guessing that uh, at least 75% of you could probably quickly detect, I'm a little more truth-oriented, or I'm a little more relationship-oriented. And if you're more relationship-oriented, you need people that are truth-oriented, and vice versa. So that you must be balanced. The, ba the balancing verse is speak the truth in love. Uh, as Paul told, was it Timothy or was it in Ephesians? Speak the truth in love. It's a beautiful, beautiful verse. Uh, one other, one other uh, memory that I'll never erase from my mind intentionally is at the end of that conference, two brothers on their knees, arms around each other, prior weeks before that, really struggling and just praying and it's a scene that I'd love to see over and over and over and over again relationships Paul so uh, Paul was in prison we knew that in Philippians chapter 1 because the Philippian church was all worked up you're in prison this is our hope things aren't good and Paul said it's okay the gospel's being furthered everything's good and he, uh, Epaphroditus was the messenger that brought a gift to Paul and a word from the Philippian church. And I believe Paul was so, so uh, blessed with that. But it's very obvious to me, as I read Philippians, that Epaphroditus brought a concern that Paul was trying to figure out how to address. And he's only going to address it in chapter 4. So we got to wait a little bit for that. But Epaphroditus no doubt said, there's something going on. It's in the early stages in Philippi. And there's conflict. There's actually two ladies in the church that aren't getting along. And they're both... We don't know a lot of the story. But he's going to get there in chapter 4. Obviously, Epaphroditus said something else. He said, there's some teaching that that is not good. So Paul's going to address that in chapter 3. He's going to say, beware of uh, evil workers. Beware. And he's going to say, I'm I tell you, I tell you, weeping tears running down my face that they're enemies of the cross. But before he goes there and addresses that, I think it's intentional that it's Philippians chapter 2. So with that in mind, I just really want to whet your appetite to read Philippians chapter 2. Read it, reread it, live it. Uh, it is so beautiful. And let me just give you a little bit of an outline of, cha of, of Philippians chapter 2. He gives this classic, uh, just real short sentence points on, on unity and relationships. And that's probably what all get read this morning. And then he goes into four examples. If you want an outline for Philippians chapter 2, four examples of the submissive mind. Number one, Jesus. 
verses 5 to 11. Number two, his own testimony, verses 12 to 18. Verses 19 to 24 is Timothy. And finally, in verses 25 through 30, it's Epaphroditus, the man that's going to probably take the, the letter back to himself. So the, uh, a few beautiful nuggets before the four examples fleshed out in life by Jesus, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. So let's read them. You're at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Is there therefore any consolation in Christ? Is there any comfort of love? If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop there. And he goes right into the beautiful account of the example of Jesus. So in verses 1, in, in verse 1, we have four traits of the life of Christ in us. And the first trait is encouragement in Christ. In other words, simply put, if you're in Christ, you got it. And actually, some people think that it would be better said, since you have, number one, since you have, since you have. But it's in the King James, it, rend King James, it renders, if there be. So since you have the trait of encouragement, since you have the trait of love, agape love, since you have the trait of spirit fellowship, since you have mercies or bowels and mercies, which simply means compassion, since you have all that, Paul says, make, if I can re rephrase it, make me happy, bring me joy, or fulfill my joy, he says. Make my joy full. And I'm telling you, when those things throw out of, they will always flow out of the life of Christ. They will bring you joy and encouragement. And that brings unity in, in uh, verse 2. Not only is, a, is it a fulfilled joy, but it brings tremendous unity that I can hardly, uh, that I hardly know how to expound on. So this thing of unity, I came across an illustration that resonated with me, so I'm going to share it. Unity. What really is unity? Sometimes unity, if it's for another cause than Christ, is nothing more than an outward container that holds you together. You take the outward container apart and you just roll everywhere, illustrated like these marbles. And our, our unity must be deeper than outward container or even outward agreements, even though as, out, as important as outward agreements are, whether it's a family, whether it's a business, whether it's a church. But it's not going to bring the unity that I believe we're talking about here. I like this one a little bit better. Here is, uh, we could be better illustrated like these clips, and they are all held together by a magnet. And that magnet is the life of Christ. And if you have the life of Christ, if I have the life of Christ, if anyone, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there's any of these things, you know what's going to happen? 
when we understand how to relate to each other, that's what it's going to look like. And I like that. So with that kind of unity in the spirit of the spirit, we are told simply don't do this, but do this. Number one, don't do anything through strife for vain glory. In other words, did you ever see, it's hard to see in yourself. It's really hard for me to see selfish interest in myself, but you can see it in me if it pops up. Did you ever see in someone else that they're trying to impress somebody? Their end goal is to, be, to impress. It's about their reputation, no matter what they're doing. It's so hard to see in ourselves. Paul says, don't do that. Don't nothing through strife for vain glory. But here's the, here's the antidote or the remedy. In lowliness of mind, esteem other. There's a key word for the morning. Other, better than themselves. The second, don't do this, and, but do this is in verse 4. Don't look on your own things. Don't be all consumed about me, myself, and my little box in my life. But just look, get out of your little self box and look at other people. That's what he's saying. And look on the things of others. And then it goes into the, to the life of Christ. So I'm going to close with two stories to illustrate it. Others is the key or the introduction to the submissive mind. Others. The best example is Jesus, which we, want to, which we will get into in the, in the next message. But the story that I like best is the guy that went to, uh, the, there was a tree by a church. Sometimes sometime I'd love to preach a message, the tree by the church. And the church decided to, it's, it, it's a little bit of a hazard, they wanted to cut the tree down. And the, there's one dear brother that voiced his opinion loud and clear and he said no we can't number one shade number two it's sentimental the reasons why the tree shouldn't be cut down but he just was outnumbered and there was more people that thought the tree should go and they decided to cut the tree down and they even decided a date to do it and the day came to cut the tree down do you want to guess who was the first person there with the sharpest chainsaw and the most mind to work? The very man that just didn't think it ought to be cut down. You show me a better picture of others. Now that's not at the expense of truth. I know, I know people that need to sign papers and say, I won't preach against this and I won't preach against this, and that's different. Others. Second story, and then I'm done. We're going to China for this one. Compliments of Harold Martin. Maybe you were there. There was a Christian farmer in China that had a rice fields way up top, high in the mountain. And he worked hard to get the water up to the rice fields. And every day, the neighbor right down below him, he would go up to, and, and make a hole in the dike. And I'm not sure how it all works, but the, the, the water all drained out of his fields and down to his fields. That got old. He took it to prayer meeting. And he said, brothers, what should I do? Oh, there's safety in the brotherhood. The brother said, try this. 
fill his fields up first and then go up to your fields. Really? He said, sure, I'll, I'll do it. And he did. He filled his fields up twice the work. His fields up first, and then he went up and did his fields. And the story goes on that they both became Christians, and they both became brothers, and they both eventually did their own work. Others. Sometimes it feels like nobody understands our tree. Somebody, sometimes it feels like all we get done is the other guy's rice field. Somehow, you and me and I need to flesh out let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And let this mind be in you. And that's where we're going to pick it up in the next message. And I am so looking forward to going through what Christ did. It is so powerful. I invite you and beseech you and beg you to read, maybe even memorize Philippians chapter 2. And you see what Christ did is amazing. It's all about others. And never at the expense of truth. Never. All about relationship. Never. Never at the expense of truth. Possible only. Jesus. Let's stand for prayer. God, we bless you, we praise you, we love you, we honor you, we adore you. And our simple prayer as we dismiss is give us the mind of Jesus and teach us how to do relationships standing on truth, overwhelmed with the love of Christ. Thank you for the book of Philippians. Help us to be humbled and also encouraged and motivated by the example of our Lord Jesus, who gave us the perfect, perfect example. Thank you for everyone here. I pray, God, that you would dismiss us with a blessing and also a passion and a zeal to be faithful and to show the love of Christ in a fallen world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. You can have a <laughs>